Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 258. Are you an Infusionsoft user dealing with a mess of Confusionsoft? Are you ready to use your app to make lots of money every month rather than just spend lots of money? Well, I have a solution for you. Head on over to kimfusionsoft.com to find out more about my strategy program, which can help you take your business to the next level using your Infusionsoft app. Again, that's kimfusionsoft.com. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. I'm so thrilled that you're here to join us today, and I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Jeremy Adams. Jeremy is the co-founder of Unicorn Innovations, and I'm just going to throw the mic right over to him, virtually, I guess. I've never used that one on the podcast before, Jeremy. Jeremy, I'd love for you to share your backstory because you can tell it better than anybody. Yeah, for sure. So thanks for having me, first of all, and uh, just a little bit about myself. Grew up in a smaller rural town. Um, called Ocala in uh, Florida, and uh, it's kind of country, lots of woods and forests and stuff. Grew up relatively low income, and you know, I lived in a mobile home growing up, and I, um, you know, wasn't a, a bad life per se, but I, I knew I always wanted something a little better in life, right? So, you know, I've been very business focused ever since I was a kid, and um, I started doing odd jobs and entrepreneurial type things a lot growing up. And I started waiting tables at a, a young age too, which is actually what really started like opening my eyes to all the income earning opportunity out there because you can, you can make pretty good money waiting tables. So in high school, I started making five, six, $700 a week and coming from nothing. That was uh, that's huge, pretty big income. Yeah. So, and that was 10 years ago now too. So I'm old enough to where it's like, you know, a little bit of inflation. I can say that was $700 back 10 years ago, you know, like my grandparents doing stuff. So yeah, I just became success focused. And my definition of success at that time was, you know, making a bunch of money. Obviously, it's evolved a little bit since, but I just grew and grew in that area. And then when I was 20, I got an opportunity to work with an entrepreneur that was in Central Florida. And he got involved in lots of different types of businesses. And I was just his assistant at the time, but I helped him with anything and everything he needed. And then, you know, I started my first real company at 22, Prestige Food Trucks. And uh, that company is still around today, almost six years later, and it's doing very well. And uh, I'm very, very fortunate. I've started some exciting new ventures since as well. That's amazing, Jeremy. And I, and I know from your bio that you've had multi-truck deals with huge companies and organizations, including the U.S. Army, Salvation Army, Dunkin' Donuts, Taco Bell. If you can throw one of those deals down my street, I'm hungry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we've been very fortunate. We started off as just like a small mom and pop shop, but we quickly established ourselves as a a high-end manufacturer and a high-end builder. And uh, we've now exclusively work with larger companies like that. So just this year, you know, we've done a truck for Apple, Outback Steakhouse, a bunch of big brands like that. Note to self, do not talk to anybody like you again without eating first. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Growing up, I was very much the same way. I did not grow up in a mobile home, but 
we struggled for money a little bit and I had my first job. I actually got my babysitting certificate at 11 and then was delivering newspapers shortly after that. My mom would get up with us at 5.30 to deliver the papers. And all growing up, I had at least, well, by the time I was a senior in high school, I had three jobs that I rotated. And I have to think that that did spark some part of my entrepreneurial journey. When you look at kids that you grew up with, do you see any similarities? Were there any others who were doing odd jobs and working like you were who are now entrepreneurs or you know, not not that many. Uh, I was kind of an oddball. Like my friends never really understood why I worked so much. I, I took working and just my professional life a lot more seriously than my friends did. I mean, I really can't think of you know, anyone. Like some, some people I see growing up have kind of figured out some stuff since, but I've been on that entrepreneurial and that professional-minded success journey since high school. And some of them are just starting to kind of come to grasp with that now. So I just, there wasn't really a lot of my type of mindsets when I was growing up. I just kind of generated it myself, oddly enough. And you're still young, but I mean, you have a lifetime of experience already, it sounds like. But I know from my own personal experience that I really didn't start to grow up until after I was 30. So there might be a, a big surge after that. After you started Prestige Food Trucks, then you went on and was it after that you were a founding partner of Quantum Media with Kevin Harrington? How did that happen? Yeah, so a few years after I started Prestige Food Trucks, we got entered into a competition for Best New Business in Central Florida. And it was over a thousand applicants. And then the final five had to present live in front of a live audience and in front of Kevin Harrington. And, um, and I never presented in front of like a big room or someone like Kevin before. But long story short, we ended up winning the competition and I just built a relationship with Kevin there and started helping him out with a, a bunch of different projects here and there. And then we, we ended up starting a company together that you know, did, you know, multi-millions in revenue. We had a lot of big clients. We had some of our own exciting projects and uh, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Are you still doing that, Jeremy? Yeah. So we, we recently restructured Quantum where Max and myself now were founding partners and the, the unicorn company you referenced on the, the front end of the, the show, but we still work a lot with Kevin um, and his son, Brian, but it's just in a different structure. It's not under the, the quantum umbrella. What would you say are some of the biggest aha moments? And I'm not trying to borrow from John Lee Dumas here, but some of the biggest aha moments that you've had in the last 10 years through the growth of your companies? Well, for me, it's just, and it's, it's so cliche, but just so many people really struggle in this area. You just find the smartest and the most talented people to partner with or to hire, bring on your team, whatever the case. And just don't cut corners when it comes to the people that you put on your team or surround yourself. I mean, it's it's really that simple. I mean, when you're around the best people, you're going to get the best quality of work, you're going to get the best ideas, and you're going to get the best results. So just really, really staying true to that, not trying to be cheap, not trying to be greedy with equity structures and stuff like that. I mean, just partnering with the best, doing things that are fair for everyone, and you're going to end up winning a lot more long term because of it. That is such a great lesson. When I started my first business in 2005, it was e-commerce. It was an online craft supplier. And I didn't know a thing about web design or development, but I knew that I wanted to take my shop off of eBay or not off of eBay completely, but have my own platform as well. And that was 
spending money I didn't necessarily have to get one of the best web developers at that time was one of the best decisions that I could make and that I did make because customers told me that they ended up coming over to the website because it looked so good. And we can see that same thing today with with everything from team members to websites to any part of our business where we spend that extra money and time and attention. We see the growth that we really want to see in our customers notice as well. I mean, you can't be driving a prestige food truck around if it's got a bumper falling off. So why would we do the same in any other part of our business, right? Yeah, and it's it's aesthetic appearance on the website, but just like and we're we're deeply ingrained in the e-com space. I mean, aesthetic like how it looks is ten percent of it. I mean, there's you know upsell sequences, tools that are installed and in, in part of the the checkout process or the buying process. I mean, there's there's so many things, and just bringing on somebody in the e-com space that's you know had multiple successful e-com businesses instead of trying to do it yourself it's going to cost you a lot less over the long term of your business to just spend spend that 99 i would say 99 times out of 100 you know if not even higher percentage than that it's going to cost you a lot more to try to cut corners and save costs on the front end and then just getting it done the right way first oh i so agree with you have you heard the quote and i don't remember who said it but it goes something like rich people spend money to save time and poor people spend time to save money. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't know if I've heard that exact quote before, but I 100% agree with that. Yeah, time is the most valuable thing, and once you start prioritizing like time and education over money, you start making more money. If, if money is like number one on your you know to do and goal list, like you're likely never going to accumulate wealth because it's you can't just think about money to make money. So totally agree with that. I'm so glad you brought that up. You said that you've seen that adjustment in your own mindset in the last 10 years. Where's your focus going now? I mean, I know it's great to make money. We have bills to pay, but where are you putting more of your time or more of your attention in your life today? Yeah. So, and don't get me wrong. I I love money. I'm a capitalist. I love what money can do, right? More, I really love money more as a tool, right? What the freedoms and choices it can give me. So I don't like want to be one of those guys where it's like, money's not important to me. Money is definitely important to me. There's just things that are equally, if not more important. So I just want to make that clear. And in regards to, you know, my time now, it's, I think the the silly like work-life balance and stuff. I mean, if you're really doing what you love, I don't think there's such a thing. Like I, I could work seven days a week and as long as it's meeting with people I love or working with people I love to work with and having fun in what I'm doing, like I think that is a balance. So it's just a matter of if work-life balance is a priority for people, you know, it's just like, how do you like incorporate more life in your work? If you're an entrepreneur, especially like, why can't, you know, just if that makes sense, it's hard to like explain what I'm saying, but like, I have friends that I can see like, and spend time with and like still get some work done. You know, I can bring my laptop like, or, or something like that, if that makes sense. And for me too, I, all I've done is, is work and focus on business basically my entire life up until this point. I'm 27. I turned 28 in a few months. And in 2018, you know, I started meal prepping. I hired a, a coach that helps me with like emotions and relationships and stuff like that. So I'm just investing more in myself outside of my my business knowledge. I have a business coach. I go to business masterminds and stuff all the time. I invest a lot of money in those areas, but just developing myself past a business person has been very beneficial for me as well. And that's something that I'm, you know, for the first time in my life, really starting to focus on. It took 
quite a long time in my business to feel like I could leave the business at the end of a day or over the course of a weekend to spend time with my family. And in one of my earlier episodes, I mentioned where my husband made a comment about how he was seeing more the back of my head than he was seeing my face because I was always staring at my screen. And that was a big wake up call for me because I don't I don't want my kids to remember the back of my head. I want them to remember spending time with me. Totally. So I actually, for the first time in years, I actually played board games over the past few weeks because I got Candyland and Shoots and Ladders and I don't remember the third one right now. Oh, Connect Four for my four-year-old for Christmas. And just getting away and actually having the confidence to say, yes, I, I, yeah, let's go play. You know, let's play a game before you go to bed rather than, no, just give me one more minute. Let me get this done. Let me get this done. I don't want, (laughs) give me one more minute to be what they remember me saying. Totally. And I agree. And I mean, if your focus, I mean, as an entrepreneur, my focus is to make the most amount of money with the least amount of work. I mean, my, my focus is to build a business. So I have a business generating cash and I have enough cash and freedom to where I can do whatever I want. So I think that's what you're talking about too, is you are kind of stuck being self-employed and not really being an entrepreneur, right? If your focus is on being an entrepreneur, you should have an abundance of free time to spend with your family, spend with your friends, et cetera. It's just about making that mental switch to saying, I'm going to have to delegate this, or I don't really need to answer this email on the weekend. It can wait till Monday. Like, it's really not that important. Like, I'm not going to let my business run me either. Oh, absolutely. Did you struggle at all with confidence as you were growing your businesses? Yeah. And I mean, and I, I still struggle with confidence in certain areas. I mean, it's, it's vastly improved, of course, just because of the successes, but I don't think anyone's ever a hundred percent confident in, in business. And, um, I think that's just kind of something internally entrepreneurs have to be okay with is you're never going to be a hundred percent certain or confident. But when I was younger, just getting started, everybody that worked for me was older than me and, you know, lacking confidence was definitely an issue I had. And, because of that, I tried to like overcompensate by like, you know, whatever, raising my voice or making like trying to make power moves and, and stuff like that. And just really the only way to gain more confidence is through trial and error and experience from, you know, just from my history. Oh, I agree. But it also, you mentioned you have a coach. Hiring a coach was, I would have to say, one of the best financial decisions well, not just financial, actually, all around decisions for my business. When I started my business, Jeremy, in 2012, I was charging $8 an hour to be a VA because I thought I was competing with overseas competitors. And just this week, I actually, well, it's been raised multiple times since then, and I'm no longer a VA, but just this week, I actually two and a half times my rate again. So it's multiple hundreds of dollars to work with me. But I wouldn't have had that confidence had I not gotten a coach. And I, we have to remember that sometimes not having that confidence and pricing too low, and this is not necessarily to you, Jeremy, but to the listeners, will actually cost us opportunities because our clients and customers, our prospects can feel that lack of confidence. Totally agree. And charging the price of what you, that's definitely something that so confidence in that area was something that took me, that's something really good you brought up, something that took me years to develop, to have the confidence to charge 
industry leading prices, right? And because you know you deserve it, you know you want to work with people that can afford to pay it, right? But that's that's an area that having coaches is extremely beneficial, knowing that, hey, you're really good at what you do. You need to be charging twice as much or three times as much or whatever it is. If it's a product, you need to be charging 20% more or whatever. So I agree. I mean, unless you're selling like a widget on Amazon or something and just the game is to be super price competitive, if you if your personal service is involved with anything, anyone listening, your goal should be to be the most expensive or you know one of the most expensive if your personal time is involved. Um, and, you know, if, as long as you do good work, you, you know, and you may lose a few customers, but if you have good service and you're good at what you do, people will pay it. And that was, that's the thing. It's like, I was just so scared people wouldn't pay it. And some people won't and that's okay, but a lot of people will. What I found, and I'd love to know if you found this as well, was that when my rates were lower, it was harder to get paid because I was attracting clients who were not that far ahead of me if they even were. And it was a struggle for them even to pay the $8 an hour. And not only that, but they weren't being respectful of me or my time. Because when you look at it, I wasn't charging any more than the local fast food clerk. You know, give me what I want and give it to me now. But as the rates have raised, they're more respectful for me and my time and my expertise. And they'll make an appointment because they know that that's how it works. Yeah. And it's like, it's inevitable the lowest cost slash cheapest customers are always going to be your biggest headaches. I mean, that's just like, that's just how it is all the time. I mean, I, there's sometimes exceptions to that, but in every industry I've been involved in, the customers that are the cheapest and complain about price are always going to be the biggest pain in the ass. So I, I try to avoid those type of people at all costs. Absolutely. I'm in the next level mastermind with Cliff Ravenscraft and he was talking earlier this week or last week to my group about how when he started, he was at 50 an hour and he was incredible at at what he did. He's incredible at what he does, but he was actually getting turned down because people thought that he wasn't very good because his rate was low. And now if you want to get him, he's something like 1500 for an hour and he's closing a lot more of every conversation that he has with a prospect because they know I mean, I'm not saying that people won't charge a lot and not be worth it because there are people out there who aren't worth it. But yeah, I love hearing it from people who are just, well, I'm going to circle back around to what you said about surrounding ourselves with the people that we can learn from. I mean, really surrounding ourselves with people who are five years plus further along than we are is so important. This is totally unrelated to what we've just been talking about, but I love how you brought up earlier about the upsell. And I know that, again, it's not related to anything that we've really been talking about in the conversation except for hiring an expert. But I have noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs forget about those areas in their business, like the thank you pages for their opt-ins. They're just putting thank you, you know, and nothing more. And then there's no upsell after they buy the entry-level product. What are some things that you have seen like that as you've been working through quantum that you've noticed that a lot of clients really should be focusing on? I mean, just really valuing and focusing on the lifetime value of a customer. I mean, there's, it's a lot easier to sell a customer, a second product, an existing customer, a second product than a new customer, the first product. So really valuing that lifetime value of each customer and trying to get that number as high as possible should be your focus. Because once you get that number at, you know, at a really high point, 
then you have a lot of budget to acquire new customers. So there should be upsell sequences throughout, like a tool we use on a lot of our own and some, you know, partner Shopify sites is a tool called cart hook. And it's basically, you know, after every purchase or after, you know, select purchases, if you want, whichever purchases people make on the site that you want this to happen, you put them through an upsell sequence of, you know, upgrading to, you know, a three pack instead of a single unit or upgrading to this product because people that like this product by this product, then it's 100% automated after you build it out. And, you know, if 20% of people take one of those upsells and you have a $40 product and 20% of people buy the $80 upsell, your average order value from that customer just or from your, your store, it went from 40 to like 50 bucks. And a $50 AOV compared to a $40 AOV when scaling paid traffic is, is a huge difference. And that's, that's on an e-com level really, but that that's with any business. I mean, if there's any customer you have, there's possibly other ways you can monetize that customer if you have trust in, in a relationship with them. And I think just, and myself included, you know, you just forget sometimes that you have all these people that love and respect you as a business owner or your brand, and they don't mind paying for extra stuff if, if it makes business sense for them. Oh, absolutely. And I love how you brought up that it's not just for e-commerce. Listeners, if you've been listening for a while, you know that in September 2017, all my websites were hacked and deleted. So I've been, my team and I have been going through and rebuilding. And lately it's been my Sutton Strategic Solutions site. Sorry for the, the plug, Jeremy. That's okay. But I realized that as an Infusionsoft certified partner, there are a lot of people out there who are using Infusionsoft and don't have money necessarily to buy or to hire a high-level consultant right now, but they really want campaigns that work. And Infusionsoft is very synonymous sometimes with Confusionsoft. It just irritates the heck out of people and they give up. So what I realized, and if you're a service person wondering how you can do an upsell, I'm selling campaigns now but I'm offering an upsell that my team will actually do all the integrations and put all the copy and the content and the images and everything in for them. And if they don't want the upsell, then we're also offering a two-hour strategy call because there's so many things that they haven't thought about. You know, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? So there's always that opportunity, no matter what industry you're in. If they say no to the initial upsell, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to give them 20 different downsells but I've seen it done. Yeah. I mean, a, one or two, and you're, you're, you're never going to get a hundred percent or maybe even half, you know, 50% of people to take an upsell or downsell, but you don't need a huge percentage to make a drastic difference in your business. Um, you know, de- especially depending on what your products are. I mean, it can get your cost of goods down because you're increasing volume. You know, you could have extremely high margins and give you more customer acquisition budget. So yeah, and we'll have to, we'll have to chat actually about Infusionsoft stuff because we, we get a lot of people that come to us and that want advice on Infusionsoft and we've built out a lot of stuff. It's just not something we want to mess with. So we just like don't even help people at all with that. So I'm sure we can figure out a way to, to work with each other in the Infusionsoft area. I think I can send you a lot of potential high quality customers. That would be fantastic. Listeners, behold the power of podcasts. Jeremy, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? So sleep's very important to me. Um, Normally, I won't schedule my first call or meeting till 9 or 10 the next morning. So I prefer to get 8 to 10 hours of sleep. 
you know, sometimes if I have something going on or whatever, it may be only be six or seven, but typically eight to 10 hours. Sleep is very important to me. Thank you for saying that. If you are working on your laptop, do you have to work in silence or are you listening to something or watching something? Occasionally we'll listen to music. Um, more frequently I'll listen to audiobooks. Most of the time it's quiet. What audiobook have you been listening to lately? I mean a bunch. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I um one I just listened to, interesting timing, but the uh Jordan Belfort, the guy that's the Wolf of Wall Street, he has a straight line sales persuasion book that's actually really good. He's a he's actually a really smart like sales guy. So I'm on that right now, but I've been listening to all different types of business books, sales books, personal development books, and, and stuff like that. I've listened to probably 70 or 80 in the last two years. Wow. I actually have something like 20 credits on Audible waiting for me right now, but I've been in a podcast kick. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. My MacBook is full of podcasts, so I have to, I'm listening at two times speed to get through those so I can go back to audiobooks. I'm actually reading High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard right now, which I have to recommend if you haven't read it yet. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I think I actually, I almost downloaded that one, but I downloaded another option, but I saw that Audible recommended it to me. So yeah, it's amazing. And he, he actually has set my focus for this year, clarity, energy, necessity, productivity, influence, and courage. So which circles so much back around to a lot of what we've been talking about. When you wake up in the morning, do you use an alarm or is it whenever you feel like waking up? You know, I do set my alarm, but I typically 90% of the time I'll wake up before my alarm. I'll do it for those mornings. I just want to get a little bit more sleep, but I do typically set my phone alarm, but I'll wake up before it basically every morning. And what's this, what's the tone that your alarm makes? Just the default, just the whatever. I've been hearing birds. I set mine to birds. And right now we've got snow outside. So I've actually been getting angry. I don't get angry very often, but I <laughs> I tell my phone to stop teasing me because it's not, you know, it's not tropical weather outside. I think I'm going to have to switch it just not to like a snowblower or something. But it's such a lovely refreshment from the from the default. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I I barely get to the point where my alarm goes off, so but if I do, I'll start I'll get more creative with the tone. What is one tool that you live by every day in your business? Like a tool as far as like software? Any of the above, actually. It can be software. It can be something that's not software. Two tools that I love that just help me so much in a software sense, and it just helps my life are Calendly for scheduling calls and um, Zapier for automations. And obviously Zapier is something that's ingrained throughout our entire company. but And, and Slack, too. I mean... Slack, Zapier, and Calendly, I'm in love with those three tools. They add a lot of efficiency to my life. So those are, they're all very, very important and dear to my heart. I have to share with you and with listeners this awesome Zap that I just helped set up. It's actually taking new LinkedIn connections, zapping them into a MailChimp account where it's not sending an email or anything, taking them from MailChimp. And I know this might sound a little bit convoluted, but it's just how it it's working with the software that I'm working with a client with, taking them from MailChimp and putting them into Infusionsoft and then using plus this to target them on Facebook as saying, hello, new connection. You know, let's let's set up a call. And people are responding. They're just amazed. You know, hey, I just got to be your LinkedIn connection. How are you after me on Facebook already? 
Yeah, no, we'll have to talk. Like, can we please follow up on that too? I mean, I think you could build that out for if you'd be interested. I mean, that's, that's really, really, really clever. So I think we need to have a call about getting something like that implemented on some of our online courses we're selling right now. Yeah, absolutely. Just listeners, think about how you can keep up your presence and you don't need to be everywhere, but there's so much automation. Talk to Jeremy, talk to me. So much automation that you could be setting up that one time set up, get it done and you'll constantly be in the face in the best way possible. I mean, of your prospects and letting them know that you're out there and reminding them. Don't let them just drop off after the initial opt-in because you're just losing so much money that way. Jeremy, where can people find you online and get in touch, get to know more about what you do and and all that greatness? Yeah, I mean, the best way to reach me, uh, I mean, just unicorninnovations.com is our, our website. Um, you can email me directly if you wanted Unicorn Innovations, Jeremy at unicorninnovations.com, J-E-R-E-M-Y at unicorninnovations with an S.com. I typically try to reply to anybody that reaches out. But if you want to find me on Facebook or LinkedIn as well, you can. But I, I try to live a pretty low profile life. So I don't even have a personal website up yet, which is uh, a lot of people get on to me for that. Even with the Forbes under 30 feature recently, I still don't even have a website, but I'll probably get one of those up this year. It's just not, it hasn't been a huge priority priority of mine. No. And you need to, you need to stick with your priorities. With that said, I am curious now, what is your number one priority at the given moment? Yeah. I mean, with, with Unicorn, it's just a matter of impacting and helping as many people as possible. And I know that's extremely like cliche, but it's the truth because it, it actually adds something to the money. Like money is something I'm getting pretty good at like making or, or earning, right? My business coach always says you earn money, don't make money. But getting good at earning money. But when there's helping people and doing something bigger involved, it just makes it that much more exciting. And ironically, you can earn more, or earn more money. So um, with Unicorn, we, we're, we're selling lots of different high-quality digital courses and training, which is what you know our new brand, Unicorn IQ, is under the Unicorn Innovations umbrella. We have you know, multiple companies that are going to be under the Innovations umbrella. And the IQ side of things, we're just super pumped. I mean, we have a, our Facebook course did really well in 2017. We're about to release our Google AdWords course. We're just we're partnering with multiple experts to release the best courses the industry's ever seen. So we're super pumped about that. And we're just excited to, to help so many people grow their businesses. I completely agree. When I made that switch from income to impact, income doubled almost instantaneously, which was not what I expected. I don't know what I expected, but all of a sudden I was happier in what I was doing. I was happier in my work. And I amazingly, that's when I started making the time for my family. And I didn't expect for my income to go up when I was removing myself from my work. So thank you. We know how it works like that, but it's figuring that out and just having that clarity in your mind is something that, and it's taken me a long time to figure out it's not easy, but once you do, it's, it's kind of like, how did I not realize this quicker, right? Exactly. Jeremy, it's tremendous to see where you've come in the next 10 years. I'm excited to see where you go in the next 10 years and beyond. So thank you so much for coming on the Positive Productivity Podcast and sharing your experience and everything with the listeners today. Listeners, you can find the links 
to Jeremy's site and his email and the books and everything that we've talked about at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP258. Jeremy, thank you once again. Do you have a last piece of parting advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Yeah. Um, the first thing that came to my mind, and I just like to go with the first things that come to my mind typically, is, and it's something that I didn't figure out till six months ago, maybe, is that like no one at any level of quote unquote success, like has everything figured out in life, right? Like no one, if anything, the people that you think are the most successful have the least figured out. So, you know, it's, it's good to know that you, when you're going through the day to day and you're uncertain on things that everyone else in the world is, is dealing with the same thing. 